and welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook, where we do not ramble. <laughs> I am your host, Willie Gibbs, and with me is my illustrious co-host, Mr. Tim Long. Tim, Tim, Tim. We are rambling men, though. Yeah, rambling that's gambling right. men. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a rambling man. Are you a gambling man? A gambling man? Or a rambling man? I, wanted, I just wanted to let you know, we're going to ramble right off the fucking top of this. You got to know <laughs> when to hold them, Tim, yeah. and you got to know when to fold them. Now, I am not a gambling man. Yeah. Um, no. I don't like going. I don't like going to the casino. No, I'll throw some money on some games though. Every once in a while, like I like okay, sports. okay, sports gambling. I have not been doing sure. well so far, sure. but I don't like. I don't do high bets either. I think I'm very cheap. You're so. not a high roller. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I'll play slots. You slot guy? Like for like twenty bucks, and I'm done. <laughs> Me too. Like that's it. I, I'm that's like I'm gonna go sit at the bar and get some use out of this money. Yeah, I'm gonna get drunk. <laughs> um, that's about it for me. But um, every once in a while. I'll buy myself a scratchy scratch, a scratchy, ah, a scratchy yeah. lottery, as we call it. Yeah. And uh, but no, uh, my wife is a gambler, and uh, she enjoys that, and that's great. And we can't both afford to be gamblers, so yeah, she gets that. I collect goofy shit. She gambles. We're Gotta good. have something. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, there's an argument to be made for either one of those things, though. Like, oh yeah, I my mean, goofy shit eats up a, a ton of space. Yeah. We're in it right now. Um, her gambling does not do that. However, mine is a guaranteed victory because I'm buying things I want. Hers is never a guarantee. So, <laughs> I guess uh, pros and cons either way. Um, Tim. Yeah. Before we get into our episode here, we're talking about the crow. The crow. Yes. The crow. Um. Where can people talk to us? Where can they find us? At HM Yearbook on X, at Horror Movie Yearbook. No, it's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can listen to us also on YouTube if that's your thing. Horror Movie Yearbook on YouTube. You can email us horrormovieyearbook at gmail dot com. You can check us out on our Patreon at patreon dot com backslash Midwest Podnet. Speaking real quick of the Midwest Podnet, the game nerds drop mm. that Starfield and Mortal Kombat one episode this past week they also have a side quest out john went and saw the band sleep token at the masonic temple nice. that is an awesome place to see that band i'm super jealous are of you him. a fan of- um you know what i like them but i wouldn't call myself a fan um like it's like i'm not super into them i know john really likes them um obviously you went and saw them in a concert but uh i did and i have listened to their uh newest album and it's it, it's good it's just like it's not something like i'm they're not a band i'm like super into but i do I like what I've heard. They're also talking about Strike Force Five and Ahsoka, and Ahsoka. I yeah. have been enjoying this quite a bit. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm always on the more positive side. You've watched all of these Star Wars shows. I like this one. I do like The Mandalorian, and I like Andor. Um, I didn't care for the Boba or Book of Boba Fett much, and except for the cool Kung Fu. The, uh, the uh, yeah the the Seagal. hot rodding teenagers from Dimension X kids yeah. too. <laughs> they were sweet and my I, neutrinos. <laughs> <laughs> and Obi-Wan was whatever. So, like, I okay. was kind of... But I've enjoyed this. This is basically a sequel to Rebels, the cartoon series that I really liked. Okay. Um, it's it's focused on Ahsoka, but it's more... They use Ahsoka as a gateway into telling a sequel. Like I said, I think I've been more into the stuff... Uh, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I guess no, I... No, that's cool. I'm not, I'm not... I like liking things. <laughs> I've given up on Star Wars, and not because I didn't... I love The Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, but I just... I think I just went... You know, like, uh, maybe I'm wrong, and you can, if, if I'm wrong, please 
sell it to me. But I'm just like, I don't want to watch Rebels or any of that. So and I feel like I just, I, I'm not, I'm going to lose a lot of the enjoyment. Like, I don't know who Cad Bane is. I know, I, like, I know who he yeah. is. But I have no, like, if he, when he shows up in, yeah. in a show, I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck, it's Cad Bane. I'm just going to go, oh, that's a cool looking blue dude. The I've, cowboy hat. I've gotten to a point, and I think you know this too yeah. in my life, where that is a very valid reason not to watch this, but it's yeah. also a very valid reason for me to really enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It, like I am totally like, but I would I would say you know what? Don't watch Ahsoka because it is very much a sequel to like, Rebel. And or I'd be into. I think you you like. I don't need anything for that. You right? and you've watched Rogue One. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 I like it. Yeah, yeah I think and or you would like. Um, and then, of course, I don't think you would get much as much out of Ahsoka, say, like myself or my, sure. my wife's a big fan. I actually watch most of these because my wife loves Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, sure. But, like, I'm super into it, but I I can't, I also can't put myself in the shoes of someone who hasn't watched it and tell you how it would play for them because I don't know, because I have watched it right. um, and I have enjoyed it. So I would say just skip it, but I also don't think, like, I don't think that's, like, a valid, I, I, I think that's a valid reason not to watch it. I don't think it's, a criticism I like of the show itself. You know what I mean? Because it's made for people who, yeah, who for really sure, like sure, that. For yeah. sure. No, and that's my thing. So like, like we talked and about, I wasn't it, saying that what you were, what you're saying, but yeah, I yeah, have, yeah for yeah. sure. We've talked about it with the Marvel stuff before where it's like, people are like, yeah, why do I have to watch all the Marvel movies to like watch the new Ant-Man? And we've talked about like, like just if you like Wikipedia, then like, like yeah. look up what happened before. Star Wars is like too much at this point, like backstory for me to do that. Like right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and read pages of what happened in like Clone Wars and Rebels and uh Resistance and all Rebel, these. Yeah. I can't do that. Like I yeah, just for sure. I don't I mean I don't want to do that homework for a show. I just don't want to do it. For sure. And I, I think that's just because I'm just not at... I like Star Wars. I always loved it as a kid, that the first the original movies um, but I guess I just, I've never, it's never been an important enough part of my, I've never, I've never loved it enough to like put the work in to watch all the stuff. And, and I think with so. you, with the Marvel stuff too, is you could probably skip a bunch of it and yeah. be able to keep up just because you are familiar with that world the outside basic, of, yeah. Like, the Marvel stuff is different for me because I'm kind of. No, I will say listen, um, I have not listened to the side quests yet, but John, I don't believe has watched Rebels. I could be wrong on that. So he might be a good person to talk about this because i know he's the one i just looked he's the one keeping up with ahsoka okay so he might be a good person to like say like oh i'm he's still watching it so yeah yeah Yeah. i know thrawn's in it i like thrawn thrawn sweet because i like i like the heir to the empire books yeah um big fan of those so i just want them to do a uh um shadows the empire movie or something yeah um they they won't because they'd have to recast Luke and Han and well not Han <laughs> he's frozen um, <laughs> they had to recast Luke and I don't want to de-age Luke for a full movie I've always wanted a um, <laughs> not me too. I'm done with I'm done with, I'm done with the de-aging even, no, even in movies I like I can like the movie and still be like I don't why are you de-aging gross, throw yeah. some makeup on this guy um, what was the thing I don't remember Sebastian Stan is Luke I heard that from a lot of people is that what's going on? Because he looks like Mark Hamill. Oh, I always wanted Knights of the Old Republic. 
Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Let's go. I've always wanted yeah, to yeah, do that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe do an animated series of that. I'd be down. Yeah. Anyway, okay, enough Star Wars. <laughs> Fuckers. You, do you want to happen to Hamishin? You got anything else to say? You got any feedback? Anything like that? No, no, no. I think we're good. Um, okay. Send us some feedback. Um, I mentioned, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to mention it here. Um, I've talked about this. Uh, Indian food. Send me your suggestions. Yeah, we talked about the Tiny Terror, which will be out. Um, it's on our Patreon. You're going right to hear now. it again when you listen yep. to that. But like, like, but send me some some Indian food suggestions, please, because I'm like, I'm I'm ready to try it for the first time in my life. I need some culture. So yeah, let's yes, do it. Please do. Um, um, time machine. You ready? Yeah. What's the sound? A crow noise has got to be. Well, crow. <laughs> or is that a raven? Ooh, that was good. I like that. <laughs> no, nah, stick with that. Remember Raven, his entrance music in WWF or E at the time. I think uh-huh. it was F. At, it was F. F was, back then. Would start with ka <laughs> Yeah. My favorite line start in the movie starts with ka What's your favorite line? ka bang, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> it's great. Now we are Wincott going- kills it. Anyway. <laughs> we're talking about The Crow, which May 11th, 1994. To set the stage, this was the number one movie in America. A rated R This movie. weekend. Yes, a rated R superhero movie. I think we'll talk a little bit more about where superhero movies. I guess comic book movie uh, it, is probably he's a superhero. I think so too. He's an anti-hero. He's it's, it's a dark indie comic superhero, but it's a superhero. It's Batman. It's Wolverine. It's yeah. it's a hero like that. Punisher. Yes, it's a really nice yeah. good call. Yeah. Um. So this was the number one movie, and here are a few of the movies that it beat out at the box office. All right, let's hear it. Three Ninjas Kick Back. This is the. Th- Second, this is. I don't think this is the Hulk Hogan one. No, no, that's High Noon at Mega Mountain. Um, okay, <laughs> Kickback kick is either the second or third. Kickback is and the it's second, on I think. Victor Wong is in it. He's in most of them. It is uh, a sequel, so this would be the second one. Yeah, so Three Ninjas came out in '92. Kickback was '94, and Knuckle Up was '95. Okay, Hogan wouldn't show up until '98. At that point, that, I was pretty signed off. Are there off. that many of the three ninjas? <clears throat> I think movies? there's five movies. Um, this is the only one to receive a video game adaptation. It looks like it's on the SNES. Okay. Yeah. So Three Ninjas Rules, um, the first movie, uh, it might not rule now as an adult. I might not feel the same way. But I do know that when I was a kid, Three Ninjas was... Pretty rad. I mean, I was all about Colt and Rocky and Tom Tom. Yeah, Tom Tom. Yep. My dudes. Um, and Three Ninjas 2, that was probably the last one I watched because it didn't, it didn't last that long. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was kind of like, and they recast the ki- most of the kids. Yeah, as they got I older. think that like Colt is the same kid, but the other two are like different and it felt a little bit weird. That is weird. But like they're older. Yeah. Like those kids were probably like like Tum Tum, like the first Tum Tum. Yeah. It's probably like a giant at that point. <laughs> it was two year difference, but like that makes a difference. So uh yeah, I like the three ninjas. Yeah. Uh four weddings and a funeral. Okay. With honors. Is that Brent Frazier? Yes. Matt Damon in that? I think that's the Matt Damon. That- no, you're thinking of um school ties. I am. You are. Um with, with honors, honors had the Madonna song. I remember. Yes, I this remember. is the one with uh, Pesci and um, Patrick Dempsey and, yes, Brendan Fraser. Okay. Um, Pesci. Okay, now I remember. Yes, yes. Yep. Uh, good movie. I, who is that down there? Who is the actress there? Moira Kelly. I had a crush on Moira Kelly. You and me both. Yep. <laughs> good. 
Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, Cricklin, the Spike Lee joint. Um, and When a Man Loves a Woman. When a Man Loves a Woman it has Meg Ryan and yeah. Andy Garcia, and it's about her being an alcoholic. And That's right. It is a like it is a very a very intense performance too by Andy Garcia. Like a lot of his performances are. So. I love Andy Garcia. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is Star a very... of Expendables Four. <laughs> Excuse me. What? He is, uh, yeah. He's one of the Expendables. He has my favorite line in the Ghostbusters remake where he says, don't call me the mayor from Jaws. Don't compare me to the Hell lead. yeah. <laughs> so sweet. Um, I love Andy Garcia. I do too. Yeah. 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 So, and then this was number one. Do you want to know the top 10 songs that we'd be listening I, to? I would absolutely love to hear it. Number because 10. Because I can guarantee you none of them were on the Crow soundtrack. That is correct. Yep. Which <laughs> there was what one? makes the Crow soundtrack so sweet. This song is called General. This song is "I'll Take You There" by General Public. Is this I'll from? I'll take you there. No. Yeah, it is. That this is. This looks like it's from the With Honor soundtrack because I just saw. I'll take you. Yeah. Is that it? I know a place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like it's from the With Honor soundtrack because I just saw um, Moira Kelly fall into the bathtub. I think she's being dragged in by uh, either Dempsey or. Brendan Fraser, I don't hey, recall the movie. Could go either way. <laughs> exactly. Hey, no Look, losing there. It's not Pesci. Yeah, you know, yeah that would. <laughs> uh, Mariah Carey, "Without You," which I believe is a remake of the old. Uh, yeah, Harry Nelson like, song. Yeah, it was alright. Yeah, I like. I actually like like Mariah. Like I like I like. She's unbelievably talented, but yeah, not not one of my favorites. Number eight, Crash Test Dummies. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I fucking think that song is sweet. Like, yeah, it's a really good song. I, I I'll apologize for that song. I don't need to do it in this room. <laughs> I'll do it. I have to. Yeah, no judgment song. Uh, no judgment zone here. Um, all for one. I swear at number seven. I swear by the oh. moon. This is a big time. So I probably would have been going to my first like dance, and I believe this was like a big slow dance. Did you dance song. the girl. I did slow dance with the girl. I yeah. knew you did. Yeah, my boy. Um, I think just one. Um. Your name. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Allison was her name. Oh, how nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, does your wife listen? Is she gonna get jealous? Uh, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I hope she would. I, I don't know. God, she doesn't listen anyway. She's like, I don't want to put up with my husband's tomfoolery I know, more I than know. I have to. Yeah, his rambling. <laughs> yeah, I have um, to listen to it at home. I want. I want to plug in and hear him talk more. When you said all for one, I actually thought this was you were talking about the uh, the Sting, Rod Brian Stewart, Adams. and Brian Adams joint. No, but no. that would come a couple of years after, I believe. They uh, offer one, of course, did skills. Do you remember skills? She's mm. got the potion and the motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. My Not bad. Uh, number six, Enigma: Return to Innocence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, on pure moods. <laughs> <laughs> we were going the. Exa- that's why we host a podcast together because we were going the exact same place. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I don't need to recover often on this show, but okay. Here's what Pure Moods did to me, though: is the I never listened to Pure Moods. I never bought Pure Moods. Um, uh, I believe you had to call a phone line to order Pure Moods. It was back then, like you had to like give them your yeah. It was like it was a commercial that ran like a mail every thing, right yeah every hour on the hour. But it ran super late at night, like mm-hmm. if you like those nights where you were up later than you were supposed to be. And I remember the Pure Moods commercial would come on and they'd play the Enya song and they'd play Return to Innocence. Yes. And I knew that Tubular Bells was coming 
and I got freaked out and I turned the TV off because it was on pure. It was. I was like, "Why is this on Pure Moods?" There was it's the Exorcist song. <laughs> well, there was um also on Pure Moods, I believe, was like a like a like an ambient version of the X Files theme. It was like the techno version. Yes, like, it was. Or the yes. electronic version of the X Files theme. Yes, that didn't bug me because I never watched the X Files, yeah. so I guess I wasn't like, like like dude. When Tubular Bells would come on, I'd be like, "Turn it off. I can't do it because I wouldn't sleep. It would freak me out." Uh, number five, a song I just sang was uh, Madonna's "I Remember You," which is from the With Honor soundtrack. Yes. Number four, Big Mountain, Baby, I Love Your Way, also from a soundtrack. Baby, I love... Do you know the movie that it was a soundtrack to? I don't. I a a do. movie that I really like. It is a very 90s movie starring Winona Ryder, Ben Stiller, and Ethan Hawke. Reality Bites. Oh, uh, yeah. Great movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. I just, I'm just going to put this out there, though, too. Um, there's there's like a kind of like a love triangle between the two, and Ben Stiller's like a yuppie, and Ethan Hawke is Ethan Hawke, like '90s Ethan Hawke, and she's one th- like ten times out of ten, she's gonna please, please, especially at that age, like come on, okay. she's not looking for a responsive, she's looking for Ethan Hawke. Yeah, like now Ethan Hawke, I don't know, it could go either way, but yeah. like yeah, <laughs> back then, <laughs> get out of here. Um, Prince, the most beautiful girl in the world, and number three, it is good song, yes. Number two, Counting Crows, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones and me. Huge Counting Crows fan. I don't like him. Um, <laughs> like this is like one of those. I don't have guilty pleasures, especially yeah. music, but it's as close as I get. I, like I loved Counting Crows. Like I had all of the albums. It's on a lot of music. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. like when I'm in the grocery store, I hear it a lot. I've been hanging around this town. There you on go. The Mr. Jones is some of a drug dealer. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was at at a house party with the founder one time <laughs> and he got invited he got invited to go to the house party and he did not want to go but he felt compelled that he had to go because he's such a sweet guy that he like couldn't say no yeah and i said founder i will go with you and yeah i called him founder this is before the podcast yeah. even existed but i knew and i went with him just to like i don't know be a buffer or something yeah and we got there, and I fucking swear to you, the singer from Counting Crows was at the Adam Duritz? Oh, my goodness. I swear. Like, this, if he was not the lead singer to Counting Crows, he was doing, like, the most incredible cosplay I've ever seen in my life. Does Alex, will he back you up on this? Yes. I'm going to text him right now. Text him right now yeah. and say, hey, did you see the singer from Counting Crows? Oh, I'm going to use his his God-given name, Adam Duritz. So, do you think he knows it? Uh, yeah, he probably knows he, it. He'll Google it. He's, yeah. So, but I, <laughs> I remember like we were both at this party and we were both feeling kind of like, I don't know, weird about being there. Like it was just, we felt whatever. And I remember like they were playing beer pong in the living room and there were two beer pong tables side by side, if I remember correctly. It's like a weird tournament situation. And I turned to him and I go, Mr. Jones. And he died because like he immediately knew what I was talking about. <laughs> this guy was definitely... The Counting Crows guy. Adam Durwitz? Durwitz. Durwitz. I like yeah. that, though. Durwitz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and then the number one song in America that would be blasting on our way to go see the crow, uh, Ace of Bass, The Sign. Ugh, I hate that song. Yeah. Did you like all that she wants? I have another baby. Yeah. Way better. There was another, it was like a lesser hit. Called the Sign was played nothing. too often. Was, the Sign was on all the it time. Was too much. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these songs, and this was like when we were kids, so we were listening to the radio all the time. Yes, yeah. it was too much. It was played so often that I, like, it, 
I still have like a repulsion. <laughs> Looking up. That's there's a third. Uh, there's another one that Ace I of Base is all right. Yeah. I just don't. That song was played so like I. I for those that don't weren't listening to the radio back then, like let me tell you, it was played all the time, like constantly, inescapable. We anyway. are not talking about the sign though. We are talking about the crow. The crow. Sorry, Alex just texted me back before I get any ghost. He says, uh, it was at the very least the man who was the spitting image of him. Spot on. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that the, I told you, like, it was it was great. But he was cry laughing. You've seen Alex cry laugh, and he was cry laughing. It was great. And then people were looking at us like, why is this guy, like, laughing so hard? And it's because we both knew. <laughs> it was Derwitz. Um. The Crow. Let's talk a little bit about The Crow. We did it 20 minutes. Sure. That's our that's our goal, is to get to the review in 20 minutes. That's great. Um, we did it. This is a movie that I have not seen in a long time. I had, I watched it when like it came out on like video when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I've caught it glimpses and pieces like it was on like Showtime or whatever, uh, HBO or whatever it was on um, growing up like after. But I have not sat down and watched this thing from beginning to end probably in 30 years almost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a long time. Makes It's been a while. Um, this is a movie, I'll just give my thoughts real quick and then I'll throw to you because you picked it. Um, this is a movie that I always wished I, like, I connected with more. Okay. I felt like a movie that, like, the cool kids got and I never got when I was a kid. Um, I liked it, especially being a wrestling fan and Sting when he would dress up like the crow. Yeah, were you, so were you introduced to Crow Sting before the crow? No, I knew of the crow before. Okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. I remember. The, but like yeah. he he came out. Oh, that's cool. He's like the crow. He's like the yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but he's hip. Yeah, he's hip. <laughs> um, and he does a decent job capturing the like the essence of Brandon Lee back then. Crow. Yeah. yeah, back then. Yes. Um. Anyway, I always wish I connected with him more, and it just never happened for me. Um. And it's not like I disliked it. It's but it's also one of those things I look back on. I looked back on it as like I kind of I kind of like you talked about the office joke the Dwight joke how it's like that would be would be Dwight's favorite movie and that's how I always thought of it like this is like the goth kids favorite yes. superhero movie well introduced a lot of, a lot of kids to goth stuff right right this is like a gateway for a lot of people exactly yeah. um because it is it's a very gothy movie it's very yeah, yeah a little bit over 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 dramatic mm-hmm. um a little bit emotional rainy I think it's very rainy <laughs> very dark at times. Um, I think maybe I've gotten more gothy as I've grown older. I really, this really hit with me this time. I'm like, this is sweet. And I think we talked a little bit about this maybe on like our Dark Man episode or something, or even, but like getting further away from a lot of these like 90s comic book movies or these, as we've been kind of hit with everything like a, a nerd growing up in the 80s and 90s could ask for as far as movies go. Yeah. Um, getting back to like something like this or even like Darkman or the Rocketeers movies like that, like it's, there's almost, there's something refreshing and that's taking nothing away from a lot of the movies that I really like that have come out in the last, but there is something there, this film, it, like it is, it's the term thrown around, but it's visionary. Like it sticks to a very specific vision. Um, and it goes, it's just a really cool little 
gothy superhero movie. Um, and I dug the hell out of it this time. I've also been on a, uh, I texted you this too, big Ernie Hudson kick lately. Yeah, you have. Uh, he's on uh, Quantum Leap, you said? The first season of the Quantum Leap nice. movie, which nice. is... Is he a, oh, like a recurring or like a regular? He is or? a regular. Yeah, he's kind of like the boss awesome. of the Quantum Leap program. His Anytime Ernie's getting paid, I'm happy. I like Ernie Hudson. Like I, I fucking love Ernie I, Hudson. Yeah, I like Ernie Michigan Hudson. Michigan native? Yes. Yep. yep. Um, and that was another thing I dug about this movie is kind of the Detroit setting, even though there are there are like there are a couple points like the seaport. Or like <laughs> it's 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 the Gotham City version of Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I That's bet you the com- of... there is something I want to talk about too that I think captures Detroit. Um, oh, cool. That yeah. comes in the in the plot itself. Sure. Um, and I think you'll. But anyway, um, yeah, I've been in a big Ernie Hudson kick, and uh, yeah, I really dug it this time. Willie, tell talk about your experience with the Crow. Yeah, so I grew up with, like, the rock star dad, right? Like, I mean, he wasn't a rock star, but, like, he was in bands. And my dad was always really cool about, like, and my mom, too, like, about being kind of on, like, the cutting edge of music always. Because my dad was always, like, interested in what was new and what was exciting and stuff. Like, he got, like, he listened to Nirvana before Nirvana became a big thing. Like, he was always one step ahead, it felt like, which was really cool because I got exposed to stuff musically that, like, I, a lot of kids my age were not until a little while later. And I'm not even trying to say like, oh, I was ahead of my time, blah, blah, blah. But it just it, like, I was exposed to this stuff ahead of time. And um, he was always like that. So um, The Crow as a movie. So, <laughs> all right. You've got horror elements. My dad loves horror films. You've got rock elements hard rock or alternative rock elements my dad loves that stuff like he yeah. loves it great soundtrack he's a huge stone temple pilots fan so yeah. like that was right out of the gate my favorite stone temple pilot songs is on this is on this album yeah uh you got comic books my dad's a big comic book fan like superhero stuff fan and you've got revenge stories and my dad loves like he's a like his favorite some of his favorite movies are like revenge stories he's there's like he just it, there's a ma- there's a weird male like cling to that yeah. almost in a way I don't, i'm just saying like only male but like feels like there's a guy thing when it comes to revenge stories where you're like yeah I, I, yeah get them i don't know and so this was like this perfect blend of things and my dad actually had, had met james obar a couple times before the movie happened uh at conventions because we would we'd go to conventions together like comic book stuff together and obar was at some of these conventions like selling the crow like uh before it became a big thing and um so we had some passing knowledge of it and i don't know if he went to the theater and saw this i don't i want to say he did not but it, like the day it came out on vhs he bought a copy he's like let's watch the crow and i was like sick like a new like he was always one to buy like older movies on VHS, which I was totally cool with because he always introduced me to cool stuff like Dawn of the Dead or uh, Creep Show or whatever, right? But it was rare that he would buy a new movie on VHS. I can think of like three or four occasions, like Liar Liar was one. Strangely yeah. enough, he bought Liar Liar on VHS because he's like he loved Jim Carrey at the time. He's like, yeah. we're gonna watch Liar Liar, <laughs> which was great. Blind, he blind bought these movies. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Mask too. He blind bought The Mask. Yeah. Speaking of uh, indie comics. Yep. <laughs> And uh, so he he blind bought the crow, and I remember like we we all watched it for the first time together. Well, my brother went to sleep, and it was me and my mom and my dad watching it. And at this point, it was like I, we were, they understood that I was I could handle stuff like this, 
and uh, I was like, "This is the raddest shit I've ever seen in my entire like." Like at the time, I was like, "My my my brain was just like on fire with how I was like, this is the coolest dude. Like the crow is the best. Like like I want to grow up and be the crow. Like <laughs> that's ridiculous. That is. Oh, I get it. Yeah." Because uh, he can do cool stuff and he heals and he helps people and he like it's a sweet ass mythology too like yeah, yeah, yeah. like having the crow that's the crow the connection to the other and world he kicks ass <laughs> and he's got cool face paint yeah, and he's smashing guitars on rooftops and he plays and the guitar <laughs> and he kind of like he's got long hair and he's all wet all and the we'll time and we'll talk a little bit about it later but Brandon Lee is like a very magnetic presence dude in this movie. it's so sad anyway yeah but, um loved it and uh, watched that VHS a lot uh, throughout my childhood. And then the movie kind of faded out for me, and I think it just got it, it. It it it's always I've always in the back of my mind considered it like in my top. I don't know where it is in the top, but it's in my in my top hundred. It's for sure. Yeah. Um, which might sound kind of like faint praise, but it's not. Like the top hundred is a big deal. No, we've then, we've seen a lot of movies. This so is in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've, despite the fact that I haven't rewatched it a ton, like it's always been there. for Someday me. when we want to really go hard and do like a five-hour podcast, we'll do our top hundred. Holy shit, we should do that one time. We I don't know if I could. Let's. let's I don't know if I, uh, yeah, that'd be so like that because that's a big group. Good. I could. I don't know if I could rank them. That's the thing. Like how like you. Well, you can rank the top ten, I think. The thing with the hundred is you're pulling from such a like, because then I got to start thinking like way, way outside. Way. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to we could talk about yeah. that though. <laughs> um, send us feedback if you want to hear something like that because it could be maybe not hundred. We could put maybe do, we should just do an episode though where we're like these are our favorite, our top ten favorite. We each bring on our top ten, and maybe not movies of all time, but maybe we do like slasher movies. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah we should Maybe we should start doing stuff like that. That'd be cool. Anyway. Um, anyway, so it blew me away as a kid, and uh, I've watched it a couple times here and there throughout the years since. Always enjoyed it. Watching it this time, I, I still love it. I think it's... When you said visionary, I think that that's the big thing here. Is it? This movie feels... To me, feels... Like it doesn't get enough credit for being a precursor to movies that would often get laud like kind of praised as the the coming of the new millennium of films and we've talked about specifically um i think it, what year did the matrix come out it was matrix 99 99 being a big year i think matrix and fight club was fight club was that year All, um yeah. to me this movie those movies are both uh, yes. inspired by especially when you're looking stuff at stuff like, that was happening. Yeah. yeah, and like the art direction and, and the and the scenery. Yeah, big time. for sure, big time. Matrix well, particularly. Matrix, this and the other Alex Proyas movie that came out a few years Dark later, City. Dark City, yeah. very much. Um, I, that was '98, so maybe the Matrix was. Uh, this is probably a better touchstone um, for being inspiring of that. But yeah, there's totally. a lot of influence there. Alex Proyas, we will. I want to talk about him just real quick. We talked about him last episode because, yeah. we, but I mean, he was. Um, the, the Crow and Dark City back to back were like the Dark City was like a big deal too at the time. Yeah. Um, I believe that was like a like like Roger Ebert gave that four stars, which was like a big deal. Um, especially like I remember reading, he like gushed over it. For it's a, genre, a cool movie. It is a cool movie. Yeah, I've um, seen it in years, but it's a cool movie. I like the crow better especially after yeah, watching it yeah agreed. dark yeah. city gets like visually too dark and murky for me at the end it gets a little headier than i need it to be sometimes too 
Yeah. At times. Yeah. Like this is a very straightforward story, so I you, it's easy to follow. It's easy to yeah yeah. He did um, a movie called Garage Days, which I have not seen. I have seen the rest of his movies. Garage Days is good. Is good. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but he did I Robot, which I like. Well, I like I like I, like I Robot. Robot. Yeah. yeah. Um, knowing, which I do not like. I've never seen it. Um, it's it's. You it's groaned when I mentioned it last time, so I can't I can't imagine <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, it's very silly. I would, it's one of those movies though that like it's kind of got that cage element. It's to Cage it. Julianne Moore. Is she? Yeah, Julianne Moore is in it, and he's like Cage has got like weird hair and a <laughs> precognition powers. Yeah, or something. it's. Yeah. Uh, I would watch it again though. It in it like it's one of those movies that had a one instead of the eye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember exactly why. And then we have a movie that he won the Golden Raspberry for. Uh, for worst director, which is bullshit, uh, Gods of Egypt. I don't, the, no, the, the the Razzies suck anyway. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> this this just proves it. I want to give shittiest award show to the Razzies because <laughs> it is. Um, but he has been. We talked about this too. He's been in um in director's jail. Yeah, for that back to back. I think of knowing in Gods of Egypt, which you know, is too bad. It's too bad. Um, because you can see the talent all over. Um, I like Proyas. Yeah. Um, he got his start too. In music videos. Yes. He did music videos for Crowded House. Don't Dream It's Over was him. Um, he did music for that. He did In Excess, like a music video. Speaking of Sting, the other Sting. Yes. <laughs> he did a music video for him. So. Yeah. No, he was... Uh, and I think um, it's funny because like, I feel like in an alternate universe, Proyas and David Fincher would be like... Yeah. Flip-flop. Does that make sense? Like, there's a, there's a real similarity between them with regard to, like, I think their style and... I think they're different because I think Proyas has a little bit more of a Proyas is a little bit more um, mainstream in a lot of ways. Okay. Commercial. Like, yeah. I think he's got a sens- sensibility of knowing like what it takes to make a, mer- a movie that can be commercially successful but also there's like, a little bit artistically be his. In this movie we talked about Burton last week. There's a little bit of Burton in these yes. two movies. Oh, the for sure. Dark City and the Burton's Crow. Especially. Batman is a huge inspiration on this. Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Um Batman Returns maybe even more so. Right. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah. But uh with Fincher he was a little bit more art- art- artsy, I guess. Does that No, I guess fair, right? Yeah. But they're similar. They're similar. Like I feel like like if Fincher hadn't recovered from Alien 3 the way he did and Proyas was able to capitalize on the first two movies that he made, the first ma- major movies he made, mm-hmm. they could be a totally different beast. Like, I could see Proyas being at that level of, you know, uh, where Fincher kind of has become in right. terms of, like, his the prestige, you know. Not that it matters. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, I don't think... The movie's it rules. Yeah, what did, what did you think of this time around? It rules. Again? It's yeah. awesome. It's yeah. fantastic. Uh, the soundtrack <laughs> kicks ass. The look of the movie kicks ass. The performances are phenomenal. Uh, Brandon Lee was a star, dude. Yep. Like, yeah. The, as tragic as his death is, and, 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 and was and is, and it's it's horrible, like, like the guy's a legend just for like... This movie. Yeah. yeah this like, performance. He's, yeah. A, he's immortalized forever. So, I mean... If nothing else, at least there's that. Um, I think it, it's a it's 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 dark. It's it's mean. Uh, it's brutal, but it's also like it's kind of a crowd pleaser too. Like by the end of it, you're like, "Let's fucking go!" Like get them. Yep. yep. I don't know. So it's, it's an origin. Like it's a 
great origin story. It's phenomenal yep. origin story. It's as good as you're going to get. And so, like, it's it's like I said, like with Proyas, like he's able in this movie, and I think in Dark City too, like he's able to take these very like fringe, uh, fringe ideas and concepts, like the goth stuff and the alt rock stuff, and this kind of like indie comic that like not that many people are familiar with. Like, yeah, this was happened. a very indie comic. This was not Ninja Turtles. Right. Right. So like Ninja Turtles, yes, yeah, started as an indie comic, but like like it had gained some mainstream notoriety because of the, sh- the cartoon and stuff by the time the movie was made. Right. This was not that. This was a an, like this was a real gamble in a lot of ways. Right. And and Brandon Lee was a gamble too. I mean, yeah, he had a name behind him because he was Bruce Lee's son, but like he'd made he'd made the movies he made, two, I, I love, two or three movies. I love, Showdown Little Tokyo. I like, love yeah. Showdown Little Tokyo, but like he had not made anything that was like even close to this. Like no major studio movies, and like he's able to take those fringe things. But there's this bow on this movie that makes it so like palatable from like a commercial standpoint, and that's why this movie was able to. I think suck a lot of the audience in, younger audience in particular, and make them discover new music and new bands and and like kind of like produce a new generation of goth kids yeah and there's nothing wrong with that it's great and like, i think price's direction the way he the way he cuts it too is very much there are times that look like music videos and yeah. mtv at the time we're in the mid 90s with all yes. the grunge and stuff and music videos were huge back then yes so. absolutely yeah so I, I i love it i think it's great i think it's it's fantastic let's get into this plot and yes. then we'll. St- I'm going to stop after what we do is I, I copy and paste the Wikipedia plot and then we stop. And we add our own thoughts as to where we're at. Okay. On Devil's Night in Detroit, Police Sergeant Albrecht surveys a crime scene. A young woman named Shelley Webster has been raped and gravely wounded. Her fiancé, rock, rock musician Eric Draven, was killed in the attack, having been stabbed, shot, and thrown through the window of their loft apartment. Yeah, he really he got he got very killed, um, super killed. Yeah. <laughs> As he leaves for the hospital with Shelley, Albrecht meets a young girl, Sarah, whom Shelley and Eric look after. Albrecht comfort comf- comforts Sarah when she realizes that Shelley is going to die from her injuries. This is what I want to talk about with Detroit. Um, the yes. original writer and artist, I believe. Uh, what is his name? James I, Obar. Thank you. Is from here from yes, Detroit. Yes. Um, the comic book took place in Detroit. I'm. I've never read the comic book. I would be interested to, because I think this takes place on Devil's Night. Yes, which Devil, is a Detroit thing. It's a, yeah, that's kind of, so October 30th, there were, there's always been stuff that's kind of gone on there. I found there's a thing there. It's been called Mischief Night the night before Halloween. Mischief Night. There's a Cabbage Night, which is where kids ran around in rural areas and threw cabbage at houses. Um, the Orson Welles World of the World broadcast actually happened on October 30th. Um, so there's always been a weirdness, but Devil's Night is what I always think of, associate with the night before Halloween. And growing up, it was, I remember, like, I don't know if you were the same, but, like, I remember growing up, like, that night, like, my parents having the news on and, like, keeping an eye on how crazy things well, were Well, you getting. lived in the area, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I remember, like, my parents would always have the news on. They were like, all right, it's a light year. That's good. Right. Or, or like, oh, it's getting nasty. Like they would, there was always like, like major Devil's Night news coverage. So for the people that didn't grow up in Michigan or the Detroit area, mm-hmm. what happened was this happened, a lot of this happened in the 80s. And a lot of this was due to the automotive 
industry, the plants, basically, I mean, the white flight of the like the 60s, 70s, 80s. Of it wasn't them, just people living in houses leaving. It was it was companies, factories, and they yeah. got out of town. They went north to uh, Pontiac. Yeah. yeah. So they were going north. And what they did was in the city, they left a lot of abandoned buildings. So a lot of what you hear about Detroit even today you can it stems back from oh shit watch a watch barbarian yeah. <laughs> you'll get a you'll get a kind of a glimpse of what we're talking about but what would happen was in the 80s people would go around and set these buildings these abandoned buildings on fire um yes there would be like 1983 553 fires in a 72 hour period 1984 was kind of the big year that was kind of like the last straw in a lot of ways was 810 fires they shut it down like it got, there was the, like curfews in place and stuff like that. Yeah, the mayor stepped in. He coordinated eight thousand police officers, firefighters, city workers. Remember that we had uh, Angels Night became a thing. Yeah, they 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 rebranded the 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 night as Angels Night. They yeah. had a ton of um, civilian volunteers out there, like patrolling and stuff like that, keeping an eye on areas that had a lot of abandoned houses, and it was usually houses and stuff that got lit up. It was like um, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, you would have situations where people would burn these houses and stuff under the guise of like, oh, it was a crack house or it was a blah, blah, blah. They just wanted to light stuff on fire. They just wanted like, to light stuff on fire. Yeah. Um, there were certain people that hide behind like the artistry of like blowing up it or like lighting a, like an abandoned building like that on fire. anti-establishment thing or whatever. Yeah. Like, like then do graffiti. Like, right. Um, but the unfortunate thing really was that like a lot like a lot of like homeless people like would live in these abandoned buildings and houses and exactly. stuff and would Squatters. die yep. <laughs> um, like because they would they built so it it got it got out of hand to say the least like it got crazy um what year was that that, that things 84 was the high yeah. um and then it kind of went down from there but even like in 1987 we we're still seeing like 290 fires well, and even like i said even when i was a kid there were like devil's night when i was a kid was still a thing right there were still fires every year. Yeah, there was still mass arson every year. It was not like that, but it was. You'll see, and you'll still see them pop up. Like sure. this year, I'm still, surely there will, you'll see. There some. will be house house but fires like, or yeah, eight hundred and ninety fires is crazy. Insane. Like think about that. Like in a in a seventy two hour period is nuts. And um, Detroit's a big city. Yes, but it's not that big. Like <laughs> right. It's insane. So that so. is kind of the backdrop that I think is the, when I mentioned, I agree. that's the most Detroit thing about this movie. Yeah. Um, and not in a great way, but it is what it is. So, yeah. And there's a, even though the city itself is kind of Gothamized, like comic bookized, I guess. I don't know. Um, there's still an emphasis on cars in the, in the uh, movie yeah. too. Like there's, I, like, it, there's not an emphasis on cars. It's not like this is the Fast and the Furious, but like the cars are featured kind of heavily mm-hmm. and like included in, in a couple different like chase sequences and stuff. So I kind of dig that too because it feels like Motor City. Like there's a it, that feels right to me, even if the city doesn't look like Detroit. Yeah, there's at least some thematic stuff there, like that kind of ties it back to the city. So right. And even rock music has a long history yeah. in the city of Detroit. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people would say that like modern rock in a lot of ways um, was popularized in Detroit through Motown, right? right. So, yeah. uh, I mean, Motown is had an influence on music that you're hearing today. Yeah. You know, and... Um, and then you have the bands like the MC5 who kind of... Absolutely, yep. Yeah. 
Lots of uh, Iggy and the Stooges, um, you know, in terms of like the punk movement. That's what I was like. Yeah, the Uh, punk movement, the metal movement had a big, uh, yeah, start here. Yes, yes. Detroit's always been known for its cars and it's, it's, the music has been always been a big part of it too, for sure. For sure. It's a cool, it is a cool city and it's a cool city that I wish like, I wish it did have a, like a superhero movie that was really, really set in this, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's too bad that I wonder what they're going to do with the with this new one because they're making the the new Crow movie is done. It's in the can. Oh, is it? It's okay. shot. Okay. It's done finally. Who, who directed after, that? Um, I'll look it Anybody? up. Anybody? Okay. Um, it's uh, Bill Skarsgård is the Crow, which is like that's good casting. Really good casting. Yeah, that's good casting. Um, I'll give it a shot. But I'm hoping that they are able to if it still takes place in Detroit, and I'm not even sure it does, that they are able to um, uh, make Detroit, even though it wasn't shot here, feel a little bit more, I don't know, like part of the story and part of the, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he uh, Rupert Sanders. Okay. He did Snow White and the Huntsman, which I really liked. Okay, yeah. And uh, Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson, which I have not. You know what? Seen. I I like. I've heard it's pretty good actually. No, I think that gets a, it gets the whitewashing thing. I it know, gets the whitewashing thing, and it's always tough with an anime. But I've heard it's quite good. Yeah, I liked that yeah. movie, but so, I'm also not like a huge like I watched Ghost in the Shell the anime when I was younger, but like, too, I, yeah. I don't have an attachment to it. And I know people that love anime have a real strong attachment to it too, and so. that's fine. But yeah. if it's a well made movie, yeah, I kind of like that movie. <laughs> so I mean, honestly, like like that. Yeah, uh, I'm okay with that. That sounds cool. So uh, one year later, Sarah visits Shelley and Eric's graves before meeting with Albrecht. Willie, are you uh, sorry to stop right no, away? You're good, you're good. Are you familiar? You're familiar with the kind of the backstory of this movie. Was Sarah like a late edition, or was it more her narration that was a late edition? Um, the narration. So yeah, yeah. If you have any behind the scenes stuff, I'll try. Okay. Um. <laughs> Sarah was always in the script. There's a character in the comic book who is a... Her name is not Sarah in the comic. Um, who is a young girl who is briefly featured in the comic book. Um, but she's not a friend of Eric and Shelley's in the same way. There's no connection there. Right. Eric just happens to meet her on the street, basically. Okay. And and kind of help her out a little bit. Okay. Um, the narration, however, was a big change. Um, and a lot of it, that had to do with Lee's death. Correct. Yeah. Um, there was a ton of backstory that had to be an exposition that had to be figured out post-production. Brandon Lee only had like three days left of filming Yeah. when he died. The problem was there was a major... Su- we're, we're just gonna, let's just get this out of the way now, early on. There was a major subplot from the comic that was even more featured in the original script of the film. This is the Michael Berryman stuff, correct? correct? Yeah which featured a spirit guide called the Skull Cowboy. And in the comic, he's not featured that much because the relationship between the crow and Eric in the comic is different. The crow actually speaks to Eric in the comic book. He tells him his purpose. He explains what he's there to do, and he guides him verbally, telepathically. Yeah. In the film, the finished film, the crow is essentially... The crow and Eric are one and the same. They, they are a piece of a, like two pieces of a whole, right? So if the crow gets hurt, Eric gets hurt. If the crow dies, Eric's, you know, like, they're tied together. But in the original 
version of the film as it was written would be Michael Berryman would show up in this cool kind of skull. There's there's cut footage you can find on YouTube. It's kind of neat. Um, in a cowboy outfit and a duster and stuff. With the 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 kind of inference that the skull cowboy is somebody who was the crow's avatar whenever it's like way back in the day. And he's there to kind of guide Eric on staying on path because the original idea was that if Eric would divert from his path of revenge, if he would, if he would do things to help others while he was there back on earth alive during his mission, his powers would be weakened by it. And there's a lot of cut content from the film from that. The reason why it was cut is a Proyas thought that the skull cowboy was goofy and didn't look good. Okay. That's part one. The second part, I think I said a, and then part one, the second part (laughs) is that, um, uh, there was some stuff that needed to be shot still between Barryman in costume and, um, Brandon and Brandley. Okay. And it was not finished. And for those two reasons, Proyas decided I can cut the movie in a way that makes just eliminates that. And they added some the the Sarah uh, voiceover to kind of flesh out the legend of the crow. Yeah. And they switched up the idea of when the crow gets shot, he gets hurt, or he's vulnerable. He's not invincible. Now I, I won't. I'm trying to get through this as quick as possible. The, the I when we get into it, I'll mention as we go through the plot. I'll mention a couple moments where the Michael Berryman character would have shown up or been a factor in this original idea. Okay. Just bear in mind the idea is that if Eric Draven, Branley's character, if he diverts in any way, shape, or form from sticking straight to his path of killing the people that killed him and Shelley, if he does anything to divert from that. He's weakened. He's not able to heal and be superhuman. Basically. Okay. Yes. Okay. Anyway, and that's from the comic too. That's yep. part of it. Yes. yes. Yeah. So one year later, Sarah visits Shelley in Eric's graves before meeting with Albrecht, who now takes care of her. A crow lands on Eric's grave stone and taps on it, resurrecting him. Upon returning to his now derelict apartment, one of my favorite words, derelict. Um, so sweet. <laughs> Eric experiences flashbacks of his murder when a gang broke in and attacked him and Shelley due to them protesting forced evictions at their apartment building. Eric also discovers that any wounds he receives heals immediately. Guided by the crow with whom he shares a telepathic connection, Eric sets out to avenge his and Shelley's murder. A um, couple things. One, yep. the uh, anytime that, and we flashed to it a couple times. Anytime the the the, the murder and the rape stuff, yeah, it's handled very classy in this movie, in yep. my opinion. Like, I, I think most would agree. Like, rape is like something I don't want to see on film for sure. Even pretended, or if, I, I understand in some in some films, it's imp- it's an important plot element, maybe. But I think there's a way to handle it in which you can... It can feel exploitative a lot of the times, and I've seen a lot of movies... It's easy for it to feel. Yes. Yes. Even in movies that like claim to be these like classic... Like prestige. Of, I, would think, I was thinking like there's a lot of mainstream... I've seen it in mainstream movies where I'm like, this is gross. Even like, like okay, like Irreversible is a movie that's always yeah. considered to be like... Yeah. Kind of... Uh, that's... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gaspar Noy. Yes. Yeah. Who's kind of a prestige director in a lot mm-hmm. of ways for for people who are into that. Right. Into film. Um, that, even that I can't, I can't do it. Right. You know, and it, it's too much. Um, right. but this is done pretty well, I think. And it, it's still haunting and you still know what's going on, but it's not, 
it's it's not it's not explicit it's implied a lot of it and yeah it's like done in a music video way which sounds horrible to say right. that but like it is like it's cut and edited in a way where you know exactly what's happening yes and in some ways it almost makes it worse like right yeah without making it exploitative um the other thing is the scene that made me immediately fall in love with this movie upon watching it originally and still I go, oh, hell yeah, let's go, is the moment in front of the mirror when the, the fucking Cure song kicks in because that yeah. Cure song is... It's very good, yeah. So sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's on my perfect it's on my Spotify playlist. Yeah. It was written for the movie. Yeah, perfect. Um, They never play it live, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. They've played it live like one time and they I guess they just like... From 2016 on, they've started playing it. And the guitar player at one point was like asked, like, why don't you play Burn? And he goes, what is that? Like, like, did we do that for a movie? Like, they don't even remember the fucking song. It's so sweet. Yeah, it like, is cool. Are you, I, 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 could, I would toss out the rest of the Cure's library for this song. But if I recall correctly, Cure had, like, so they had their big run in the 80s, in the yes. late 80s. And then they had a weird, like, they had a rebirth in the late 90s. It was because of this song. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, okay. Because, like, now I'm, like, maybe I'm thinking, though, like, they don't look back finally on this time period because. Yeah, I just don't think they realized that the song that's was what part I mean. of what. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they have now since right. then. But, um, but you and, know what? The Crow has stayed a little bit of a cult movie too. Yeah, so like, that's it, true. it has a following. Like, but, but it had a bit of more of a cult. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the, the, what's funny is the Cure was like that's one of the bands that Obar was listening to a ton. Cure enjoyed Biz- Division. Joy Division. Yeah. yeah. And when we because t- I texted you, I saw this the other day, and it was on X. Uh, it was my fault for logging on to X uh, Twitter, but um, I saw it. I saw like a tweet and it had like all these retweets calling this and like Freddy versus Jason and a, and a couple other like saw like actual like new metal movies. Uh, new metal. This is not a new metal movie. No. This is like a goth rock or an alternative or an rock. Alternative rock like, movie. Yeah, yep. yep. 100%. Um, and thank you because yeah, those were the bands he name dropped and that's what I think. I think of like Joy Division or Bauhaus or The Cure like when I'm thinking of yeah. The Crow. Like those are the bands that I can- He even based like Eric Draven's look in the comic yeah. book off of multiple different uh, singers, like right. singers, including Iggy Pop, funny yep. enough, who was supposed to play Fun Boy in this movie, by the way. That was what I was going to ask you. He could so not do it. The uh, gangs are T-Bird, Tintin, Fun Boy, and Skank. They're so sweet. And then what is uh, Tony Todd's name? Grange? Is it Grange? Yeah, Grange. Nobody... I always forget Tony Todd is in this movie, and he rules. He's also in this movie, and I was going to bring this up. I feel like Tony Todd is like our like our recurring character. Like I feel like Tony Todd may have shown up the most on our podcast, and I'm not upset at it. He's in like a lot of movies we've covered. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love Tony Todd. It doesn't matter, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, get, I get so happy when he shows what up. What a cool career. Yeah. Um, That's the things I'm go. I was going through all the movies that he like the Night of the Living Dead remake and Candyman and this, and I'm like, man, what a sweet Final Destination. And, yeah, Tony yeah. Todd's sweet as hell. <laughs> uh, heat. Yeah, I believe he's in Heat, isn't he? Yeah, isn't Heat right? I wait. Hold on. No, wait. Maybe whatever. Uh, I love Tony Todd, um, and he's great in this. He's, yep. he's got a, like a smaller part, but he's really cool, and you kind of know his character right away because he's so such a, such a great actor that like. You immediately know he's like that guy who like gets the job done for his boss. Because Wincott's high on coke the whole time, <laughs> like like he's he's gone. Yeah, and so like like Grange has to get this shit done. Like, but he'll do it because he's loyal. Yeah. Um. Do you know what your uh crow gang name would be? What's that? Do you know what your crow gang name would be? Like would you like Tintin Ooh, or Top Dollar? Uh, Gibber. Gibber. Yeah. I'd be I'd be T Boss. 
T-Boss. T-Boss. Kind of like, uh, like T-Boss from TLC. I like TLC. that, but with the S's. Yeah, <laughs> yes. nice, nice. T-Boss and Gibber. Right? Yeah. Those are good. That's kind of sweet, right? We're, yeah, we sound like we're ready to take on Let's the crow. Go. Let's go. Um, yeah, I'm ready to get murdered. Um, <laughs> so what were we talking about? I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're talking about the soundtrack. Which uh, kicks ass. Uh, the Cure song. So yeah, my favorite moment in the movie is, it, my favorite scene oh, in the movie. Oh, in front of the mirror. Movie, when I think, what's that? When he's in front of the mirror. Yeah. Yes. When I think of the crow as a movie, I think of that scene. Like that's the, the, the visual of him painting the makeup and as he's putting the makeup on his face is, is the uh, paint your face and shadow smile lyric as he's, yep. and it's like, like perfect synchronicity, you know, like it just, just works out perfectly. Um, what's crazy is that's not like technically Brandon Lee in that scene. No, it's just, it's the double. Uh, it's, it's the double and it's his face superimposed over the mirror using footage that they shot previously, but it's still, it's so good that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'm going to get through this next paragraph and then we're going to talk about Brandon Lee a little bit. Yes. That's right. Uh, the crow helps Eric locate Tintin whom Eric stabs to death. Uh, crow will kill. Uh, a motherfucker. <laughs> That's he, he it's, it. He's so sweet because yeah. he's basically a slasher villain. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're rooting for the slasher yes. in the movie. Because he's one by one, he's got him. Yeah. yeah. And these are bad people. Um, Eric next travels to the pawn shop where Tintin had pawned Shelly's engagement ring, forcing the owner, Gideon, to return it. He blows up the shop but spares Gideon so that... Is that Bill Polito? Is Gideon? Yes. Yep. Um, so I love he, Bill Polito. Me yeah, too. Great. <laughs> me too. Uh, so Gideon, uh, so that he can warn the others. Eric then tracks down Funboy, the aforementioned Funboy, who is having sex with Sarah's estranged drug addict mother, Darla. Uh, Eric kills him and confronts Darla, making her realize that Sarah needs her. And the All mean, right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Can, can we talk real quick? Yeah, we can talk real can quick. Real quick? Okay, so I mentioned before the whole- Oh, the subplot? Yes. Yeah. I want to get- This is an important one. So- um, in the original cut of the movie, you'll notice you'll notice moving forward after he the fun boy scene where he kills fun boy. All of a sudden, Eric's and you if you're not looking for it, you really don't notice it, but it's there. He's got electrical tape wrapped up all over his top. Like there's like shiny electrical tape on his arms and his especially in the finale you notice it when he doesn't have the jacket on. Yeah. Well, in the original scene, when he helped, goes to help Darla, he's essentially warned, like, cut it out. You're not here for her. Like, don't help her. But he, because he's a good dude, he can't help himself. Yeah. He gets the, takes the morphine out of her. And there's a, as soon as he goes, uh, leaves the bathroom and he kicks Darla out, he gets attacked by Funboy and, like, like wounded because he's gone astray from his path. And him and Funboy actually have a fight, and it was shot like that. You can watch it on YouTube. The the whole scene. Yeah. Um. And he gets stabbed multiple times and stuff, and he realizes, oh fuck, I'm like, I, I'm not healing the way I'm supposed to. So he wraps the tape around himself to keep himself from bleeding out. But that that's the first instance of that major cut stuff that was okay. part of that skull cowboy don't don't divert from your plan subplot that was cut. So cool. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Top Dollar, who uh, was recently released by WWE, uh, the crime boss who controls <laughs> the street gates uh, in the city, Jesus. it is half-lover, half-sister, Micah, have become aware of the Eric's actions. They kill Gideon after he reports his attack to them. They kill the shit out of Gideon. <laughs> they do. It's so mean, too, because he's like he like stabs him through the throat, and then he's like, gives, doesn't give him, even give him a second to die, and he's like, just die already. <laughs> this is where, uh, weirdly enough, I have... Uh, I want to talk about Brandon Lee a little bit. Yeah. I, today... I sat down. I had never really watched a ton of interviews. I know the story of Brandon Lee. I've never watched much of him as a person, though. 
I'm with you. I love Showdown Little Tokyo with Dolph Lundgren. It's sweet. It's yeah. sweet. It's sweet. Um, but this is the movie. And I sat down and watched a lot of the press materials. YouTube is such a wonderful resource, by the way. Sometimes it really can be. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I I love YouTube because you can just get lost on there. But, like, yeah, cool. um, someone put together just, like, two hours worth of kind of, like, press materials from the movie, interviews with the comic creator, all sorts of stuff. If you Google yeah. The Crow documentary, it'll pop up. I'm sorry. I wish I could remember who it was. Uh, you know what? Let me... There was some really... So, so while, you're, while you're looking it up, there yeah, was some really... My I remember the VHS tape that my dad bought. There was some really cool stuff at the end that was kind of like a tribute behind-the-scenes thing. It was almost, it almost felt like a full moon. Yeah. Where they would do, like, the making of afterwards. Yeah. And... So was in that way it was ahead of its time, and unfortunately, it feels like a little bit like the movie was marketed. Be- <laughs> there is some his death was marketed a little bit as part of like the selling point of the movie, which is a little bit wonky. But also, how do you not acknowledge that? So I, there's some. So the, the family was okay with what happened. Yeah. So so in terms of like how. Finishing the film. They and, wanted that to be done because they said Lee was very proud of his work. As he should be. He should be, yes. Yeah. Um, but his final on-camera interview was part of the the behind-the-scenes stuff at the end. So anybody interested, it's two hours worth of stuff, but it's really cool. It's called Shadow Play the Crow Documentary, and it's not really like a traditional documentary. It's what uh, the launch pad, I believe, just cut together a bunch of... Like it starts with the interviews, some of the promotional material, like Brandon Lee with an interview on Leno, where he's, okay, yeah, he's talking about like the guy that broke into his house, uh, and how he like disarmed him. Um, it's got an interview, a lot of the promotional materials, like you said before, and then it has an interview with the original comic character, and then it has that VHS stuff you mentioned as yeah. well, um, which is very good, and it has a lot of like, like you said, interesting stuff too, yeah. like with Lee talking about kind of his own death in a lot of ways. It's. Um, weird but it also has what you talked about too like there's an inside edition um story that feels really skeevy like there's someone on the set that um it feels kind of gross because they're like the movie's curse and then Seagal shows up and he's like pimping out some conspiracy theory about the his death he's like i think he was murdered by blah 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 the triad <laughs> the triad yes. yeah no i mean ultimately the victims here are Brandon Lee, his family and friends, and Michael Massey. Michael Massey, yeah. I feel you awful know, for Michael I mean, Massey. Who, who shot the prop gun. Who shot the bullet that killed him, and, right. but who was not complicit in any way, shape, right. or form. That's um, got to be just such, such an awful thing. to. And there were the, the reason for the Crow Curse thing is it wasn't just that Brandon Lee was killed. I mean, that was obviously the biggest talking point, but like there were a ton of accidents on set. There was a um, a crew person that was like electrocuted, and, like right. had like major They're in a burns. cherry picker or something. That yeah. Yep. There was uh, a couple stunt people kill or hurt, not killed, but hurt really badly, and it's all sorts of like. But also, uh, cocaine was like rampant on the set of this movie. Like okay, rampant, like bad, like everybody was doing coke. Yeah. Uh, not everybody, but a lot of people to the point where there was actually a story about behind the scenes about how. They were doing a take of some scene, and somebody sneezed, and they had to yell cut, and Brandon Lee annoyingly goes, I guess somebody just lost 50 bucks, because <laughs> the guy sneezed. Okay. <laughs> That's how much cocaine was on set at the time. So you have to wonder... Yeah. Well, I mean, so what the story that happened is it, a lead bullet from a previous scene stayed in the handgun, the prop, the gun. There's and, been like 17 versions of this. Yeah, and story. the blank was, like, it was stuck in there. They didn't see it. 
and we. <laughs> it wasn't a live round in the, in, in the in the gun. Right. That was loaded into the gun. There was an obstruction in the gun that there was, was fired. There was a piece of of metal, right. whatever that piece of metal is, I don't know, that was stuck in the barrel, and when the gun fired, it shot out. You're right. It wasn't a, wasn't wasn't a traditional bullet. And it didn't shoot out the speed of a bullet, but the problem was it, it hit, where it hit him. It's during the apartment scene. When I was a kid, the legend was always, "Oh, it was during the big shootout scene." Right. And if you watch the movie, you can spot the spot. <laughs> I, where I remember this now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Which is really morbid when you think about it. Yeah. But it was the apartment scene where he comes in at the last minute before shooting. Michael Massey wasn't even supposed to shoot the gun. The Funboy character never shot him in the in 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 the play. the day of somebody decided oh we want Massey to shoot him when he comes in. The original plan was to throw a knife at him, which happens in the final film. Yep. The Massey shots never in the film obviously and never mm-hmm. um and the person who handled the guns left for the day. That's right. And they had yep. a random prop assistant person handing out the and they didn't check it properly yep yep and there are uh, there are reasons for the the shutter the curse films is very mixed but i think the the crow episode is decent um sure uh, yeah i haven't seen it but that's season two but i so yeah yeah so i haven't seen that one but that one it's it, it does a good job and there's an interview with barryman where he's like look like it's uh like it's a union bust in town and like they brought someone in who like Didn't know what they were doing. They were working long hours on top of it, and yep. it just like that's what happened. It was cutting corners, is what happened to him. There's it no was. curse. It was, and like, and and if if it, the drugs thing might be a part of it too. Yep. I mean, uh, people weren't thinking straight, or weren't you know. And I think the other thing too that gets mixed in is Bruce Lee. His dad died, and there has always been mysterious circumstances surrounding his death. I mean, the what happened with Bruce Lee is he. He didn't overdose on a pain pill. He took a pain pill and had a reaction to it, right? It's kind of what it yeah, is. Yeah, it was a, like, basically an extreme allergic reaction to, to it. a pain His pill. His body rejected it and killed him. <laughs> and the other theory, too, that kind of sometimes makes sense, he had his sweat glands removed. I did, uh, Which firstly, is not, cannot be good for you. Especially if you live in L.A. Like, and you're active all the time. Yeah, and you and you are hurting to the point where you have to take a pain pill. Yeah, maybe you had like heat stroke, too. Um, um, I don't buy that stuff. I just don't. I mean, I, I don't The curse? Care. No. No, me neither. No, hey. Horrible things happen. Something happen on sets. Uh, luckily, rarely, but it happens. I just I brought up that documentary too because the interviews with Brandon Lee, like he's such a charismatic Ugh. and smart, and like he didn't want to go into action star, but he it works, and like he you could tell there's just there's so much talent there, and the dude would have been a star, like absolutely. So it's funny because I think of like. Where Johnny Depp got, yeah, and I immediately go, that would have been where he was. Yeah, at. Johnny Depp, Keanu, yeah, great Absolutely. examples. Yeah, like nice. Yeah, yep. Um, so there we go, Brandon Lee. Um, Eric visits Albrecht, explaining who he is. Albrecht tells him that he watched Shelley suffer for thirty hours before dying. Eric touches Albrecht and feels the pain Shelley felt upon Beautiful leaving. Beautiful scene, by yes. the way. Yes, I yep. love this whole sequence. Is great. Yeah. Yep. Um, upon leaving Albrecht's apartment, Eric saves Sarah from getting run over by a car and gives her a clue to his identity before disappearing. Um, we'll go to the next one. That was pretty short. Um, Eric kidnaps T-Bird and kills him in an explosion. The next morning, Sarah, and jump in, by the way, whenever, Mm -hmm. um, Sarah and her mother begin repairing their strained relationship and Sarah visits Eric at his apartment. Grange, top dollar's right-hand man, finds Eric's grave is empty. Top Dollar holds a meeting with his associates where they discuss new plans for their Devil's Night criminal activities. 
Eric arrives looking for Skank and a gunfight erupts. Skank is killed during the melee. Top Dollar, Micah, and Grange escape and Micah hypothesizes that by killing the crow, Eric will no longer be immortal. So the killing the crow thing was never part of the original script or the idea. That was added after the fact they decided to cut the whole um, Skull Cowboy, cut, cut the whole divert you get hurt thing. Um, can we talk about Michael Wincott for a second? Yeah. Fucking love Michael yeah. Wincott. <laughs> the, the dude is great in everything he's in. Most recently, uh, Nope, which he's phenomenal. Yeah, oh my in. God, he's so good. He's <laughs> so sweet in that movie. Um, he's he's never not good. And if Nick, friend of the show Nick, is listening to this, he he's we have a two-person Michael Wincott fan club. Would you like to join? Is Nick a, yeah, well, yeah. Is Nick a Crow fan? He's a Michael Wincott fan. Okay. Yes. No, like, we love Wincott. Uh, the biggest, dis- like, Alien Resurrection is a lot of disappointments involved in it. Wincott's early death is the biggest one. Yeah. Um, Should have lasted longer. Um, But no, I love Michael Wincott. I think he's great as the villain in this. Um, Biling, always wacky. <laughs> she is. Always wacky. Yeah. Real wacky in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, No, I just, like, I just want to, like, make sure we mention the cast, because everybody's great in this. Um, T-Bird, uh... Gosh, I'm trying to think of the actor's name. Uh, Michael Kelly, David Michael Kelly, David is it David Michael Kelly, Michael David Kelly. Gosh, I feel bad. I this is where you're supposed to look it up for me, Tim. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, uh, yeah sure. One of the greats, because just just like it, the ultimate character actor, always in, always like brings it in every role he's in. Um, we've talked about. A role of his before on the show. I know this. Uh, do you remember what he's most? What he's most Michael David known? Kelly. Michael David Kelly. Yeah. What he's most famously known for? Him. No. Warriors. Oh yeah 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 yeah. He's that guy. He's, okay. Yeah. So which is great. Um, but yeah, just the cast top to bottom. I just want to mention like like everybody's great. David Patrick Kelly. David Patrick yes, Kelly. I'm thank sorry. you. And, <laughs> I, was, um, I, knew. <laughs> I, I apologize. Yeah. David Patrick Kelly. Um. He's got th- he's got three he has first a names. Great filmography it's that includes. So good. Uh, he was in like the number one three movie because he was also in Crooklyn. Oh, nice! Yeah, there you what go. A- <laughs> what a killer month! Yeah, but he was also um, in Commando and uh, another rad. Walter Hill movie, Last Man Standing. Also read, um, I- but uh, I do want to mention too that the, the young actress who plays Sarah, oftentimes. Kids who play kids in roles like this can come off as annoying or like kind of not great. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, just being honest, like I think we talked a little bit about this. Yeah, I just watched a show where the, the, the I'm not going to say the show, but if you've listened to the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. Where the child actor is not my favorite at acting, um, yeah. and I feel bad saying that, but like it's not like for what the character needs. The performance is not there at all, and uh, I will say the character, the the actress who plays Sarah is quite good. I think honestly, like she, she does a really good job. She, yeah. I find it believable. I like the connection between her and the characters. So, just yeah, the cast top to bottom. Before we move on to the finale here, 
Everybody brings it, so. I'm going to do this next paragraph, and then I want to play a little game with you. It'll be quick. Uh-oh. Eric, right. believing his vengeance is over, as we all do sometimes, gives Sarah Shelley's engagement ring. As Sarah walks home, Grange abducts her and takes her to an abandoned church where Top Dollar and Micah are waiting. Through the crow, Eric really realizes what has happened and goes to rescue her. Grange shoots and wounds the crow, sapping Eric of his immortality. Micah grabs the wounded crow, intending to take its mystical power. Okay. Do you have anything here? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um the crow thing once again I mentioned. So I um I'm going to talk a little bit about the final fight here and I don't want to talk too much cuz we're not there yet, but like the thing with the crow, the crow gets hurt, Eric gets hurt, he's not immortal anymore, blah blah blah. We've talked about this whole uh deviating thing. The moment my understanding is that the stuff that wasn't finished was there's a little bit on YouTube. Eric decides to go help Sarah despite thinking he's done with his revenge plan. He's killed T-Bird and Skank and they're all gone. And the Skull Cowboy shows up on the steps of the church and says, don't do it. It's time to move on. You've achieved your goal. She's not part of it. If you do this, you're putting yourself at risk and your soul could be damned, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm going to help her. And he goes in the church. And that's why he's able to be wounded in the original cut or plan of the movie is because he decided to help Sarah despite the fact that his mission was over. If you notice the end of the movie when he's fighting Top Dollar on the roof, there's a moment where he kind of gets his second wind, right? Yep. That's because in the original, the original concept is Top Dollar admits to being the one who gave the order... Hence being part of why him and Sarah were killed, or him and uh, Shelly were killed. And essentially he, like, heals in that moment because, like, the supernatural powers, like, oh, shit, you gotta kill that guy, too. Like, get him. (laughs) So it actually kind of makes more sense that he gets that kind of, like, it works in the final cut totally. Like, there's no... That's the thing is, a lot of the stuff, uh, like... It's flawless. Like, it doesn't... The final cut works the way it is. And weirdly enough, the narration works, too. And I think it's because it is... It's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit. It's comic booky. In it's a impressive way. Yeah. how they made it work. Like it yeah. really is. It like, feels like you're reading panels. Yeah. Like yeah, the the blurbs at the top of panels, the boxes at the top of the panel. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, like I've heard a lot of people say like, oh man, I'm so sad that it was all cut and stuff. I'm like, I don't miss any of that. Right. I'm I, good. Like, yeah. Oh, it'd be cool to see that version. Yes. But I don't need to see that version. Yeah. Like, it works so well on its own. I don't like. I don't care why he has electrical tape on him. He's a goth. <laughs> He looks cool. Yeah, it's something Trent Reznor would wear. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So that, that's I just want to mention that's the final mention I, I mention I want to make of the whole the, alternate version. Blah blah blah. But I'm always fascinated by alternate versions of movies and what didn't happen and and yada yada. So that's kind of the reason why he's able to be hurt in the original idea, and they they switched it to the crow, shoot the crow, hurt him, kind of thing. We have we have touched on the comic book elements of this yes. movie. How it was based on a comic book too. This is a weird time in comic book movies, superhero movies, the nineties, um, because we are Marvel. A lot of their characters are wrapped up in weird rights issues and also all sorts of weirdness out there. That um, I'm sure you can read all about. DC had the Batman movies going on, but we're kind of getting into the Schumacher era, and really it was just Batman. <laughs> Like it would, there was no, there was no DCEU, no, no DCU, anything like that. Marvel hadn't kicked into gear. We, we've gotten Captain America and Fantastic Four, stuff like that, Punisher. Um, but so what you're getting is a lot of like 
comic book adaptations of weird independent comics and like lesser known Marvel characters in some way and lesser known DC characters like you had Steel. Um, yes. But oh God. What I what I did here is I I've got a list of '90s superhero movies that are not well. One of them is associated with Marvel. Okay. I guess two of them technically. Anyway, this is kind of shows you the weirdness of the '90s, and I want you. In the '80s, is such a cool time for comic books too because it is. Like, there's a lot of weirdness to those books, too. A lot of those 80s oh, yeah. books. Like, it hadn't gotten to the point. The 90s comics, and I love them, feel like the jocks to me. In the 80s, feel like the goth kids. Like, even Claremont's X-Men, which is, like, the most popular book of them. It's the outcast kids. The, the it's misfits. the outcast. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I've got a list right here, and I want you to just, I'm going to rapid fire, and I want you to go better or worse. Um, uh, barbed Wire. Is the crow better or worse than Barbed Wire? <laughs> it's better. Barbed Wire, of course, is the Pamela Anderson movie that was sold about her being uh, nude in the opening credits. I don't yeah, even, like, and she was, but I don't think it was actually her. No, it was, uh, yeah. It's yeah. Body Double. And, yeah. Um, no, uh, the crow's better. The Barbed Wire sucks. It's not great. This is a tough one, and it's... Well, no, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> This next one is a tough one, and it's not technically based on a comic. Actually, it's not based on a comic, but it was done by someone who didn't get Batman. Darkman. Is The Crow better or worse than Darkman? Better. I love Darkman. Yeah. The Crow is better. Okay. I think so. Uh, it's okay. Darkman. No, 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 no. Uh, Darkman no, has I, a lot in comic. I think The Crow is better. But yeah. Darkman accomplishes everything it, it, it's setting out to do. I just think The Crow is, has. Uh, the Crow is a little deeper, I think. And it, the crow, the impact part is part of that for me too. Gotcha. Like the crow is. That's fair. Yeah. There's a specialness to that. Like it's. I don't want to say flash in a pan because that sounds negative, but like, it's like right the right potpourri of things happened that made the crow. Like you can never copy that exact. Right. And Raimi Dark Man's a fun movie. Raimi would go on to make better superhero movies. Absolutely. Uh-uh. Yes. Uh, so this is the Marvel one. I just am curious. Blade. Yeah. Uh, the Crow. Yeah. Love Blade. Yeah. Blade 2 is better. <laughs> uh, I, I, I agree. Um, this is Blade 2 is your favorite, right? Blade 2 is my favorite, yes. It fucking rules. Yeah, but I, I really love it. It's a Blade. top 10 superhero movie. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Blade is... Uh, Blade's great. No, Blade's, Blade's a ton of fun. Yeah. But Blade 2 is like... Blade 2 is cool as hell. Next level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, God, I want to go home and watch it right now. <laughs> Meteor Man. You're very Meteor Man with uh, Robert Townsend. I do. The Crow's better. <laughs> I don't know why I have this on this. Is Blank Man coming up next? What's it? Blank Man? Oh, my God. I loved Blank Man. It's so sweet. Um, Meteor Man, though, was in the uh, front of the Marvel comics for a good two years. Like, yeah. the advertisement for That's Meteor right. Man was- They were smart. In every comic Meteor book. Meteor Man's not great. Uh, this one, though, is interesting because it is similar um, to a comic book that is around that time. Judge Dredd, the Stallone version. Uh, Crow's better. Do you like Ju- Judge Dredd? I remember being shocked when I, I watched got it. a little bit of a soft spot for Judge it's, Dredd. It's like 70 minutes long before Crow. It's, it's sweet. so it's, quick. It's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Armand Asante <laughs> is a force. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he's still Wincott. This is more based, I believe, on a serial, but The right. Phantom... With oh, Billy Zane. The Crow's better. Yeah. Uh, man, what a cool. Do you kind of have a soft spot for a lot of these movies, though? Because that's I have I'm a in the soft same spot, spot for as Phantom. You. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I do. This is a, okay. So this is an interesting one here, based on a Malibu comic, I believe. Men All in right. Black. Was Men in Black Malibu or is that Marvel? Malibu, but yeah. Marvel had right. weird a weird rights thing for a while there. Yeah. 
It's been both. It's not um, even. A, it's not really even an adaptation of that Men in Black, which I don't even think is really hard to find, too, isn't it? To call Men in Black a comic book adaptation is pretty right. It's a Will Smith vehicle. It is. Yeah. Um. What's the better movie? I'm not gonna say what's the, what. What I like the Crow better than it's Men a in tough, Black. Yeah. I love Men in Black. I do too. Yeah. But I, I like the crow better. I just it's it's more up my alley than, than it, that. That's a personal taste thing. Men, yeah, Men, Men in Black is great. Yeah, uh, Men in Black three is really good too. I was watching that the other day. Two is TV. not great. Two is not great. Remember, two forgets about Johnny Knoxville completely. Like yeah. he just, just yeah, disappears. He's just gone. It's weird. Um, the Rocketeer, the Joe Johnson movie. I like the Rocketeer. I do too. The Crow for me is still the preferable. <laughs> the Shadow. The crow. Yeah, the shadow sucks. Actually, <laughs> it should be sweet though. Yeah, the shadow. Yeah. The shadow dust. Oh, this is the, the not the Frank Miller one. I'm talking about the Baldwin one. Uh, yeah, oh, I know. Remember the Frank Miller one? You know what? The Frank Miller one. I like Frank Miller's shadow. Was no, it? the spirit. You're oh fuck, that's more. The spirit interesting. sucks a ball <laughs> and a half. Not even both. Um, Spawn. The crow's better. Yeah. Um, Spawn. I have a soft spot. God damn! Why do I have so many soft spots for this? For these movies. <laughs> We need to start a weird comic book adaptation podcast. I'm going to put you on the... Uh, yeah, I know. You would, like, we'll like, cover you all You and I would thrive on this. Maybe we'll just like the, do the... the Lundgren Punisher. Maybe we'll do a tiny, like, a tiny terror. Like, we'll mix it. Like, we'll do double up. Oh, yeah. Stop it. Um, so, this next one is is for... This one is me. So, I'm... And then I'm going to give you a really hard one because it's technically a 90s movie. Right. Um, next one is Tank Girl. I just want to really quick say... I like Tank Girl. I like Tank Girl, too. And I... That original... It's up there in, in That original movie. comic... I love it's Tank sweet. Girl. Yeah, the, I love the art. Right? Yep, um, I love the art. So uh, it's just Dread, isn't that Australian or is uh, it British? British, British. Okay. Yeah, seventeen, yeah, hundred eighty or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is it something two thousand eight? I can't. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Crow better than Tank Girl. Yes, Tank well, Girl like does. Tank Girl. Yeah, Tank Girl is was never going to be anything like it's 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 going it, to be what it always is it's yeah. it, it is what it is and I, it's so I weird can, i don't think you can make a good tank girl movie it, like in the traditional sense of like a film um and then finally teenage mutant ninja turtles oh 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 the original og yeah. uh turtles yeah for me yeah um because it's more than just my love of the turtles it's um I just think that to blend, to be able to blend what the comics were doing, the indie comics were doing, and what the TV show was doing, which were totally, I mean, as far apart as you can almost get, to be able to blend those two into this kind of perfect combination that could appeal to adults and kids. Yeah. You couldn't, uh, yeah, it's Turtles for me. Yeah. All and right. the heart of that movie is so like, yeah. But Although I, I think this has a lot of heart too. Um, and oh I think no, the final no, hundred percent. One hundred percent. I just there's a there's a danger to turtles, despite it being a kids movie. The crow's not a kids movie. Like it. Let's get that straight. Yeah, turtles is a kids movie, but it still has an element of danger and an element of like, we don't get that in kids movies lately, like at all in the last like two decades. I feel like, and maybe that's a good thing, but like I miss that a little bit. 
So let's get into this finale. Yes, because uh, I got to wrap this up here. Yeah, but thank you for indulging me. Uh, I was curious. no, it was great. Thank I like you. I like revisiting this era in comic book movies because it is so weird. I even forgot the mask, uh, but you know what I mean. Um, Albrecht arrives and assists Eric shooting and killing Grange before being wounded by Micah. The crow escapes Micah's grip and claws her eyes out, making her fall to her death down the church's bell tower. Very Batman eighty nine bell tower. I was yep. just yep. <laughs> Eric confronts da- Top Dollar on the roof. Top Dollar admits ultimate responsibility for Eric and Shelley's deaths, having ordered their murder as part of a scheme to take over their apartment building for his criminal. Activities. Eric grabs Top Dollar, transferring the 30 hours of pain he absorbed from Albrecht. The sensation causes Top Dollar to fall from the roof. What an awesome way to kill somebody. And he is impaled on a gargoyle, killing him. Um, Beautiful. You Did you have something to say about the finale? No, I think it's great. Okay. Uh, the the gargoyle, gargoyle spitting blood is fantastic. <laughs> As his head is impaled on a spike, it's great. Um, Sarah accompanies Albrecht to the hospital. Eric stumbles to the graveyard where he's reunited with Shelly's spirit and returns to the afterlife. His revenge now complete. And I do want to read off uh, the last line uh, from the movie. Um, if the people we love are stolen from us, the way to have them live on is to um, never stop loving them. Buildings burn, people die, but real love is forever. This can come off as super corny, but I... as somebody who loves comic books with a narration... yeah. I'm all for it. I this is actually this is the point where I said, oh, I I think I love this movie, and you know what? It ties into Brandon Lee. Uh, a lot yeah. of it ties into Brandon Lee because what a I mean, what a I mean, if you're this is a great legacy to leave. It, it, like that line awesome. is a le- great legacy. What a statement to like walk yes. like like to go out on. I mean, it, it's, and yeah, it's, you know what? It is a little corny. It's a little cheesy, but I don't it care. Is. <laughs> the okay an, he's an emo guy. He's an emo guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Ultimately, they're suckers for this stuff. Exactly. They won't admit it, but. <laughs> um, I did want to ask you yeah. real quick. I have only seen the Boreanaz, or no, I have not seen the Boreanaz sequel. Seen the Boreanaz. Yeah, seen City of Angels. I've seen City of Angels. Uh, what do you do? You, have you seen all of the sequels? Yes, there are four Crow movies. Have you seen this TV series? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, what do you want to know? <laughs> are any of them worth watching? I have a weird soft spot for City of Angels. Who's seen City of Angels? Is that uh, Vincent, Vincent Perez? Mia Kirshner's in that. Iggy Pop is in that one. He is. Tom Jane. Tom Jane, he is <laughs> unhinged. Um, I have a soft spot for City of Angels. I don't know why. Okay. It's basically a lesser remake this is directed uh, by Tim Pope, just real is. quick, yep. and he did a ton of Cure videos. A lot. A ton yeah. of music videos, period, but like so many Cure videos. So many. Sorry. It is a lesser, basically, remake of the first okay. film um, in a lot of ways, but it's kind of fun and gets really crazy towards the end, like crazier than this movie is able to. And it kind of works for me. Um, they do carry on the character of Sarah, which is cool. Okay. Because Mia Kirshner plays an adult. Oh, uh, plays Sarah? Yes. Which is neat. So there's a tie to the original. There is a work print version of City of Angels out there on YouTube that is like legitimately pretty fucking good. Okay. Um, the Weinsteins fucked this movie. Bad. Oh, that's right. Miramax has Bad. the rights for these, don't they? Bad. Um, the original cut was actually my understanding which is it's lost at this point but 
the original cut was apparently very cool and different from the first movie enough to where it like they recut the movie and reshot stuff to make it basically like it's just the first movie again. Um, I saw the Eric Mabius one. That is Salvation with Kirsten Dunst too. Direct right? to video. Um, not great, but kind of fun still. It's a little bit more of a mystery. Okay. Because you don't know who killed Mabius and his uh, his fiance. Okay. So he's not only is he getting revenge, he's discovering the people involved throughout the course of the movie. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Eric Mabius, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Wicked Prayer. Sorry. Oh! Edward Furlong, Terry, and David Boreanaz. I've not seen this, but we had this at the video store, and I would walk by it all the time, and I'd go, wow. If you watch any Crow movie beyond the first. This is the one? Make it Wicked Prayer. <laughs> it is. It's insane. Like, it's insane. It's got Tara Reid and David Boreanaz as Satanists. Excellent. Part of a Satanist biker cult that kill Edward Furlong and his wife for some reason. And then Edward Furlong wanders around mumbling with kind of like shitty crow makeup. Like, how do you fuck up the crow makeup? It's kind of not good. And he starts killing them. And Boreanaz gets possessed by Satan at one point and fights the crow. But he's got the devil powers. And they have a sword fight. And it's sweet. Yeah watch that okay that would probably be all i would, you would love it yeah and then there's the tv series um mark dacosco dacosco's 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 yeah he actually plays eric draven in the tv series they that's, remake that's pretty the good casting yeah of the um was that on like showtime uh tnt okay i think i'm gonna look it up real quick they remake the events of the stairway first, to heaven was what it was called yes the first movie but they changed the ending. So instead of Eric going off with into the afterlife. Oh, syndicated. It was like Shelly. Yes. Yeah. Instead of him choosing to go into the afterlife with Shelly, he says, I'm going to stay on Earth and be an Avenger of, uh, I don't know, people who need avenging, I guess. We do. We have a kind of like, I was looking at some, at least on YouTube, I was looking at some of the demographics and we have kind of a younger audience. I wonder if they even, uh, in points, I wonder if they even know what syndication is at this point. Yeah. Syndication was like Xena and stuff. It would air on your local stations, whatever they decided to put it on, basically. Yeah, very low budget stuff. Yeah, Xena, Hercules, um, stuff like that. Yes, high concept, low budget, I yeah. guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or like like high what, ambition, low budget. T- um, uh, TNG, uh, Star Trek was syndicated, too. Yes. It would basically be like they'd make it and they'd sell it to your local stations and your local stations would put it on whenever they felt best. Yes. Yeah. So the Crow show was very uh what's the Lorenzo Lamas? Oh Renegade. Very Renegade, very very Hercules. We should, we should very... start a syndicated TV series podcast. I dude, I'd be so down. <laughs> very Mortal Kombat Conquest. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Also syndicated. Mutant X. Very Mutant X. Very um uh Andromeda. You know. Yeah Gene Ronberry's Andromeda. Yes, uh, yes. Damn straight. Uh very Stargate. Which was not syndicated, but it felt like a syndicated show. So yeah, Tim, what's next, man? Yeah, any final words on this? We good? It's great. Watch it. Yeah, honestly, I love the crow. Yeah, phenomenal. I've I've come around at it. I'm so so happy to hear that. We wanted to stick to the thing, and we were looking around for Halloween movies, and a bunch of the ones we wanted to do were not available. Or I wanted to do something in the '80s, so we are doing a 1988 film that neither one of us have ever seen, and neither one of us have ever heard of before tonight, about two hours ago. Um, it has a 4.8 on Rotten Tomatoes, though, so or on IMDb. Hell yeah! This is di- holy shit. It's what? directed by Bill Heinzman too. 
even better. <laughs> I think I've heard of this movie now. Or not heard of it, but I, it's called Flesh Eater. Yeah. Um, Bill Hyden's been playing, he rises from the dead to turn teens into ghouls. So this is not a zombie movie. This is a ghoul movie. A ghoul movie. And it well, takes I mean, place- I Loving Dead was a ghoul movie. I've never seen yes. zombies in that. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Uh, directed by Bill Heinzman. I am so excited now. It's available Me on too. Tubi. Yeah. Uh, and then a, some premium subscription on Prime. Maybe Prime. I don't know. Um, Flesh Eater. Flesh Eater is what it is. I'm so excited now. Me I, too. I did We're not both know this. blind. <laughs> I did not know this. I think was... I have heard of this. Now that when I remember, I believe. It was in a Fangoria article at one point. Fangoria article. And I think there was some stuff in like one of the documentaries about the dead movies. Yeah. That talked about Bill Hines, but it mentioned this movie because he directed it as well. Good. Oh my God. All right, so we'll see you next time for Flesh Eater. Yes. Stay scared and safe.